Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. Well, happy hump day. We're back into normal weather. It's 70 degrees outside. Uh, We're having to do a little early uh, gardening because the permafrost that came down has wiped out most of our plants and bushes, but hey, that's fine. I'm watching my wife right now through my office window. I'm hoping she doesn't hurt her back because if she does, I can't help her. (laughs) One of those type of days. All right. Last week, we got into what was called the first section of HR1 for the People Act, or as I've renamed it, for the Swamp Rat Act. Uh, It's a horrible, horrible proposal for a constitutional amendment. And understand that's exactly what it is. We're going to go through that several times going through. It's a constitutional amendment, which means if it gets through the House, if it gets through the Senate, if Biden signs it, it must be ratified by the states or it is not a legal document. And we'll get into why as we're going through this. Now, I put some information on the blog site today. I didn't do it last week. Got a lot of emails and I knew when I didn't do it, I'm thinking I should have. If you go to informationedge.net and you pull up the blog, I did this yesterday, there is HR1 for the swamp. And a lot of things are attached to the blog. I've got a few bullet points on that, but then I've got the text where you can go to the actual law, which I'm referencing to that we'll go through today. I've also got it pinned on the site under pending legislation. Um, I've got where I did last week's show, this week's show, how you can get a hold of folks, the 47 target seats by the NRCC that are kind of the softer underbelly. Folks, for this to to not get out of the House, and it's being argued today and tomorrow, calling all the Republican House members, that's great. And if they don't get it, that's a whole other issue. Democrats are going to have to come away from this bill. They're going to have to back off this bill. Just with this and just like H.R. 127, we've already went over. So, you're going to have to be a part of calling Team Green and say, hey, we got to talk logic here. And we'll talk about how to approach them, what to say as we get through the bill. Let's start with where the bill is. Now, where we left off last time was in Section 1706 of the bill, first part of it, which was basically talking about uh, mail-in ballots and that they wanted no ID, no way to secure the ballot. And that's where I went. I'm out. Okay. So that's where we're taking up at. I'm going to go down to what they call, they have um, subsection N gets a little further down. This is where they want to get poll worker going through the colleges, have the colleges apply for grants so they can reach out to those younger voters. Because remember, when we talked about this last week, we talked about the fact that they were effectively lowering the voting age to the age of 16. Pure insanity. Remember that, okay? So they want to get the colleges out there so they can get as many younger people because they feel that's a future. And you know what? It is the future. In 20 or 30 years, they're going to be running the show. Hopefully by then they've grown up a little bit. When we get down into this, though, this bill, and, I, and folks, we're going to be hitting segments of this bill, okay? It is a 900-page monster. And if you go to the HR1's 
on the congress.gov site and you start scrolling down by the way you got to scroll down almost half the page to actually get into the text of it and not just the headlines you're gonna go oh my god how do they do such this well they worked on this for a year okay this didn't just pop up one day and said hey we're, we're, we're ready to roll out this bill okay we talked about blank absentee ballots section 1903 Permitting the use of a sworn written statement to meet identification requirements for voting. Now, if you will remember last week, we talked about one of the segments. They said, well, if you have a signature on file with a state agency, that's going to work. Now they're saying, hey, basically, if you just come up with a sworn written statement and you say, I am who I am, uh, you know, like the Lord, I, I am who I am, um, then by golly, you shouldn't be questioned about that. I'm going to read this to you. In general, the case of an individual who desires to vote in person by presenting the appropriate state or local election official with a sworn written statement signed by the individual under penalty of perjury, attesting to the individual's identity and attesting that the individual is eligible to vote in the election, or in the case of an individual who desires to vote by mail by submitting with the ballots the statement described in the previous paragraph. Folks, People lie. <laughs> they get away from the truth. So this is a horrible, horrible thing that they're talking about doing of watering down what is without a doubt the most important thing that we carry in the United States, our ability to impact our government, which is by the people. Well, the people have to be citizens. Now, I'm not going to get into tax paying. I know there's some people that are citizens don't pay tax. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're a resident citizen of the country. They're trying to take that where that doesn't mean squat anymore. We got to get away from that and kill this bill before it gets out. Um, again, we're only going over highlights. It's just too long of a bill. Section 1907 is one of the things requiring states to provide secured drop boxes to, for voting absentee ballots. In other words, dropping them off. The problem with that, as California saw, is they were getting um, attacked, burned in several cases. So maybe they got full with a bunch of ballots and someone came by and threw a Molotov cocktail in. Well, boom, those ballots are, by, are gone. So there's a problem with that. Section 1908, now this was when I saw it, I said, somebody's retarded. Prohibiting states from restricting curbside voting. Folks, curbside voting is designed for those who have physical disabilities. Okay. I've worked as an election judge since 2012, many, many elections, primaries, general elections. The curbside vote is for someone who can't get out of their car because of a physical disability. And there's a custody chain that we have to have them sign off on. They're wanting to say they, they want to remove restrictions. So does that mean everybody curbside votes? I mean, come on. What more? Well, okay, we know what moron was, but why were they even thinking about this? So this is something, again, this is all designed to water down, eliminate, make it. Now, they're going to say, well, by golly, if you could just drive up to, you know, the, the curbside window and vote, how convenient is that? Because if you're not, why, why that's voter suppression. Now, let me tell you what voter suppression is. Voter suppression is allowing everybody and their dog that shouldn't be voting to vote, watering down the legitimate citizens and nullifying their vote. That's voter suppression. That's what has to be stopped. And that's what's at stake here. Now, they get into this is not just about making votes. Oh, no, they've thrown some other stuff in here because, by golly, this is it just gets into just so much 
crud. You can't believe it unless you scroll through the bill, which I encourage you to. Subtitle C is effectively making the District of Columbia statehood. And they're doing it off the guys that, well, the 700,005 District of Columbia residents deserve voting representation in Congress. And only statehood can provide. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to become a state? That's a constitutional amendment, as is all of this other evisceration of states' rights, by the way. Okay? So bottom line is this is making D.C. statehood. Oh, but you scroll down and they get into territorial voting rights. And one of those territories out there they're talking about is Puerto Rico. So with Puerto Rico, you're talking about this is where we heard in the campaign they want to make D.C. a state. They want to make Puerto Rico a state. Why? Because they have very liberal people that would come into the political game and they would get more liberal senators. So they're hoping that they could block any type of conservative legislation going forward. I'm not making this up. You can go and see this for yourself, but it gets it gets even more insane. There's a point you go, are we in the twilight zone? I'm waiting for Rod Serling to step out of the background going, welcome to the twilight zone. Today's bill, HR1, eviscerating American citizens' voting rights. And you're just waiting for it because it just gets weirder and weirder. And here's another one. They want to have redistricting reform. Now, ladies and gentlemen, redistricting happens every 10 years based upon census. And the parties in power, Democrat or Republican, will redraw the lines. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there have not been examples of abuse by both parties at state levels doing redistricting. If that happens, you'll find the party that feels that they're being shafted normally files a lawsuit. It goes up and then you have the state courts get involved in that platform. Well, they want to say, nope, we're not even going to take that right. We want to go this straight to the feds. The feds must redistricting. Okay, that's a problem. Again, this is evisceration of states' rights, your rights, that we don't want to see happen. But it gets more fun. Now, you've heard about purging voter rolls. Now, what, is a pur what does it mean when we say purge a voter roll? Well, number one, if they went through and they found out they had a lot of people that a, passed on, that happens, or B, you had folks that lived within the district who no longer live within that district and it's time to get them off of that particular role, that's what's called purging of the voter rolls. Well, guess what? They don't want you to be able to purge your voter rolls anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Saving eligible voters for voter purging is the clause because, by golly, there's just endless discrimination against all those dead people voting. We can't have that. Well, what they've done with Section 2500 and 2502 is they put conditions for removal and these conditions basically make it where only through federal congressional approval can you remove people from voter rolls. That's a problem, folks. This is why this bill is horrible. Now, they've got something in here about protecting institutions, which I have no greater idea what that's about. Now, in time we go through a bill, I believe – you do have to find if there's a, a nugget in here that you could go through. Is there something good that comes out of it? Okay. We talked about the permanent paper ballot that was in part one. 
that I said, hey, I kind of think that's pretty good. And in this one, they've come up with something that's almost as good. And I read it and I went, whoa, it's called Subtitle H, Use of Voting Machines Manufactured in the United States. Voting machines by no later than the date of the regularly scheduled general election for federal office occurring November 2024. Why would they put it that far out? Each state shall seek to ensure that any voting machine used in such election and any subsequent election for federal office is manufactured in the United States. Well, I like that. I don't like the fact that they're wanting to put it out until 2024. I think that's a little on the crazy side, um, but that's part of what we get into. Okay. What does all this mean? Okay. I've went through a lot here and I'm blowing through a lot of the things we're going to, there's a lot more meat going through. It's they throw out some nuggets. Okay. And when I say a nugget, that nugget is basically designed to go, well, you, you, you can't kill the whole thing. You can't throw all the baby out with the bathwater. Why there's good things in here. Why there's permanent paper ballots. Don't you like paper ballots in a paper ballot more secure? Well, we've put that in there for you. Well, you don't like all of these systems being made in other countries like Dominion is and owned by other folks. Well, well, we've put a provision in there to make it manufactured in the United States. And they'll come out and couch this in a manner that's designed to make you feel guilty if you say something against it. Why, you're a racist or you're for voter suppression. When the facts of the matter are, it's no such any such nonsense. We're simply wanting common sense to be in this process. Now, the one thing that you will find in every one of the sections is what's called a severability clause. Now, a severability clause gets into, and I'm going to read it to you because there's a reason they put it in here. If any provision of this title or amendment made by this title or the application of a provision or amendment to any person or in circumstances is held to be unconstitutional, the remainder of this title and amendments made by this title and the application of the provisions and amendments to any person or circumstance shall not be affected. Here's what the goal is. The goal is we're going to throw out what is without a doubt the most horrendous bill in United States history. This is a bill that the likes of Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler would have put forward because it takes, it takes power away from the state and it invests it completely in to the federal government. In other words, it's, it's a one-way party, and that party is going to be who's ever in control. So here's what you got to look at. If they throw it out there, what's the process? Well, number one, it's got to get through the House. Then it's got to get through the Senate. I don't think this bill gets through the Senate, but I don't even want it to get out of the House. The occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I, I don't think he could name his name straight on a particular day, much less realize what he's, he's signing. I think we've got video of some of the executive orders that he was signing right out of the gate. Some comment, I don't know what I'm signing. I don't understand. I promise you, if they bring him something out of the Senate, he's going to sign it because he doesn't know. Or he doesn't care. 
So then the question, here's where the real question is going to get into the meat. As I said earlier, this is something that they're going to propose as a, they're going to say this is law right out of the chute. Okay. The problem is it's not law right out of the chute. This is a effectively a proposal for an amendment to the constitution. So what does that mean? When you're talking about a proposal for the amendment to the constitution, what you've got to have is you've got to have passage by the states, two thirds. So here's going to be the first question. Now, all of these things are, were made effective January 1. So let's roll through and say that this bill gets past the House. It gets past the Senate that Biden signs off on it. And they want to use it immediately for any type of state certification. I promise you that's going to happen. They're going to say, well, we want these laws enforced on your new state's rights. Now, the problem is this body of legislation isn't legal in full until the states approve it. So the states are going to say, no, we're going to use our existing voting laws to vote this down. Because right now you have more conservative states and numeral, maybe not population, but in numbers. And that would be one of the criteria that it would be voted down on. So what does that mean? It's, there's going to be a legal challenge. It'll go to the lower level courts and it'll go to uh, go to the, the mid section courts. Eventually this is going to end up in the Supreme court. So here's my question that I have for you right now. Well, I'm being told I need to take a break. So we're going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills. I guess I've gotten long winded to talk too much and We'll be right back to finish up where I'm talking about. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey on the Voice America Radio Network. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. 
Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks. Welcome back to the show. This is a live show. Don't say that enough. I've got to get in a better habit of it. If you want to call in, um, 866-472-5788. We don't require your name. Uh, we do require that we talk. We don't yell and no profanity. Um, if you violate either one of those two, you will be flushed down the proverbial on air toilet. Now we're, we're, we're deep in the middle of parts two and three of HR one of what's going through. And we were talking about voting machines and some of the nuggets are going to throw out there, but keep in mind, this entire process is a proposal for a United States constitutional amendment, okay? You can read it in the severability clause that they have. Later, as we get down into some of the other ports of the bill, they even mention specifically constitutional amendment. And so, if they try to get this through both houses, and, and that won't be a good thing for any of us. And by the way, I'm, I'm talking to liberals too. This is not good for you either, okay? Because if we get into a ballot war, Who's to say that the side that you didn't think was going to do the most ballots does more? And oh, oh, it turns around the Republicans take back over on ballot harvesting. I don't want to see that. Look, if it's outright votes, great. I don't want to see illegal votes coming in via V unregistered ballots. Nobody wants that. And if you think that's a great thing, you need to hop a slow boat to China because I'm telling you, it's a bad thing for this nation. We don't want to have it. And it could really, it could do, it could literally bust up the Republic. And we don't want to have that happen. Now, the next thing they get into, for those of you who've never heard of Citizens United, it's a case that came back several years ago. And the case was effectively, it, it took some of the campaign finance reforms that had been done in the past. It threw it out the window, said, hey, you're, you're, you're doing things illegally. Uh, and it's allowed the money flow to come back in. I'm not saying that there is a need for campaign finance reform. I don't know that I, well, I can tell you right now, I don't agree with this bill. What this, the problem with this bill right here is they effectively want to take Citizens United versus Federal Election Committee, which was in 2010, and they want to turn it over. And when I get you into, and when I, we get into the details, you're going to go, what? But you have to understand when they put these things, they put findings, okay? Well, this is our finding of why we're putting forth this bill. And the first thing they'll do, well, criminals, terrorists, corrupt government officials frequently abuse anonymously held limited liability companies, also known as shell companies, to hide, move, and launder the dirty money derived from illicit activities such as trafficking, bribery, exploitation, embezzlement. Okay. What does that have to do with the price of rise of China regards voting? Well, they're saying that ownership and control of finances, why, 
why this allows unlimited funds to come into the United States. Folks, let me tell you something. Whether that's a true statement or not, a bill like this is going to impact the donors to the Democratic Party as much as it's going to impact the donors to the Republican Party, except whoever's in charge will grant their donors discretion, okay? And so basically, they come down and they eviscerate the decision for Citizens United. They say Congress should curb. They've, they basically have said, well, Americans want to have this gone through and advanced. I, I never saw a poll saying that, but this is in their findings. So they do a lot of stuff in here regarding foreign contacts, which is fine. I don't want foreign individuals. And what's a foreign individual? That's someone with a, a company, a country, excuse me, that doesn't have our, our best interest. They don't want them putting money into the, the election. Okay, here, here's the problem with that. That's a great idea. Uh, it is impractical because we have no way to control all the money that flows through this nation. And we've got people like China that own parts of us that have legal reasons to have tender coming into the nation that they then can take and dispose of into the electoral process. So you will never remove outside country influence unless you do not allow them to own assets here. Now, that's a discussion for another show. But I'm just saying, understand some of the basis of this is absolutely Pollyanna on its, its, its head because we simply have too many problems that allow this stuff to exist. You, you simply can't eliminate it unless you go out. Now, they've got things like you need to disclose this and we don't want people like this uh, putting money in, which is it's great. But you have no true way of controlling it when you have foreign nations having control of our assets here. They have a section now that they've introduced strengthening oversight of online political advertising. And what that is basically designed for them to do is go through and get um, a hold. Of, if, you, if you did something wrong in an online ad, they want a way to punish you. Okay, It's a way to be sure that you stay in line going through. But here's one. I read it and I'm like, really? 4111, reporting of campaign-related disbursements. Now, one of the issues right now that if you go to the FEC, it's 2,500 deductible, excuse me, 2,500 contribution, 5,000 for a couple. Their solution is that you can have campaign-related disbursements aggregating more than $10,000 in election cycle as long as every 24 hours you are reporting it, okay? What that means is you contribute 10,000, you go online with FEC, make a report, 24 hours later, you can contribute another 10,000. It's not stopping the flow of money, it's just increasing the paperwork. So it's a shell game. Don't watch my hands because you won't really know what I'm trying to do to get the money to you. But on the surface, I said, well, we came out with, campaign finance reform. And, and by golly, that's, that's a good thing. We think this should be something that does wonders. It's garbage. It's a shell game and it does nothing. Okay. Now they come back with foreign money ban on disbursements to campaign. Again, you, you, it's impossible to do that when you have foreign companies that own assets here. Other administrative reforms is just they have judicial review for everything. They want the judges looking at everything. 
And why? Because they think they're going to change out the judges and they believe what you can't get at the ballot box, you can get the judicial activism. Okay. So lots of judicial review, blah, 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 blah. Again, strengthen that online platform because they want to be sure it's the sense of Congress that the dramatic increase in digital political advertisements and the growing centrality of online platforms in the lives of Americans requires Congress and the Federal Election Commission to take meaningful action to ensure that laws and regulations provide the accountability and transparency to our democracy. Well, I don't disagree with that statement, but that's not what they're going to do here. Okay, this is basically if we don't like your ads, the party in power through this legislation will have a form of control of the advertising of the other party that's trying to come into power. It's it's ripe for abuse on either side. Okay, it doesn't really matter where it's coming from. It's ripe for abuse and it doesn't need to be here. Okay, so. These are things that they're trying to come after. It's to get control so that you know if you're on the other side, they're going to come after it. Now, one of the things that you go through here, they really don't like, they don't like the fact that you can have what's called, um, right, when you have a super PAC, the way the super PACs work, if you donate to the PAC and the PAC spends the money, the PAC reports the money to the FEC on their report, and they do not report who your name is, Okay. And they want to eliminate that. They say, well, that's, that's dark money. That's evil money. That's money that the Lord just doesn't bless on. Well, it's a bunch of crap. The reason they, that people want to have a little bit of anonymity when they uh, go out and do a political contribution, how many times did you see in the 2020 election where people were being doxxed, i.e. their information was being put out on the internet so that other operatives could harass them, could go by their house, tell them they're going to kill them. In some cases, that actually happened. We had a a U.S. house rep out of San Antonio talking about doxing people. Well, we're going to get the names of those supporters and we're going to go after them. Really? And people want to know why they'd like to have a degree of anonymity. You can do that if you're contributing to a PAC because the PAC reports the money. They don't report you. Well, Section 4501, repeal of restrictions of use of funds by Internal Revenue Service to bring transparency to political activity of certain nonprofit organizations. A 501c3 is specifically what they're talking about here. Okay. So this is not designed. look, Look, a liberal doesn't really care about whether or not that you know that they donate. Conservatives do. Because liberals like, hey, if you want to come after me online, I'm fine. Now, in person, they're not as strong. Conservatives don't want that. They're like, I'm going to donate my money and I want to go about my life quietly. Well, this eliminates that. And it's, (laughs) it's a bad thing for people. What it will do is if everybody that wants to donate to a PAC knows that their their names are available where someone could get that information and dox them online or come after them, it will reduce the flow of money, which is the intent, by the way, but it will only reduce the flow on one side. So understand, this legislation is not meant to be fair to people. This is meant to be used as a political tool 
for one side to control the other stuff. Now, there's a couple of things in here I kind of like. They've got the disclosure of political spending, my government contractors. I, I actually don't have a problem with that. If you are getting money from the federal government vis-a-vis a contract and you're making political contributions, I do think that that should be disclosed. So again, I'm not doom and gloom, Darren, where everything's bad. We'll pull out the nuggets, but there's a few. Most of these are turd nuggets, not real nuggets. And, and we don't want those turd nuggets. We want good nuggets. So this is what we come into. Now, the next thing that we get into gets back into really, they, they, they talk about Citizens United. I mean, it's, it's all over this section of the bill because it just really absolutely boils their britches that that ruling came out in 2010. So they get into the campaign, what they call campaign finance reform and and refinement. And they have this findings related to Citizens United. And it's just big, long, blah, 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 blah. And you did this and blah, 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 blah. And and what they get into, okay? What they get into is sections of the last three paragraphs that says, well, Americans have basically wanted Congress to rein this in, and they use the word specifically through constitutional amendment. It's in the finding section. Now, why is that important? Okay. The reason it's important is this document, again, is designed to eviscerate states' rights, is designed for the federal government completely take over all aspects of voting, which is the last thing that the founding fathers wanted. Understand, they feared the power of the centralized government. There's reasons why we have the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. There's reasons we have separation of powers. There's reasons why they vested certain powers of the state and not with the federal government, because stuff like this is what they feared. Okay? So to change this, whether or not they're going to admit it, it is a proposal for a change to the Constitution. That requires states. Now, up until this point, they could probably get, well, we've got we've got the power via the Commerce Clause. We got power. Blah, 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 blah. Well, no, they don't. But when you go in and you start mentioning specifically that Americans have wanted amendments to the Constitution, that kind of shows your hand a little bit. That's stuff that can be referred to by legislators, by lawyers, if they're if they're coming out and appealing this and saying, hey, this is a this is a constitutional amendment. You just can't ramrod this through. That's important because this bill if it starts getting through, it's going to be the fight of a lifetime to unwind it. If you think Obamacare was invasive through the Affordable Care Act, and it was, and it is to this day, is if you go back and you read the Affordable Care Act, there's so many sections of law that it touches it's, it's like this evisceral viper with multiple tentacles. I guess that's wrong. Octopus is probably the better description there that goes through all of these things. And, and you can't just cut one section of it off because the head grows back in another section. That's what this bill is right here. Okay. It is a octopus with tentacles that you cannot keep up with. And it gets into so many different areas. I mean, we've seen they want to reduce roles. We've seen where they want to put money into uh, colleges. They want ballot harvesting. There's all kinds of problem with this. And now they want to go back and say, well, now we want campaign finance reform because 
we don't like the way the money flows and we can't weaponize it in the manner that we want. That's what this does. So we have to change that. Now, we've got a little bit more. We're going to have to go to break. But when we, the next thing we're going to get into is the congressional elections. And <laughs> when I'm reading through this, I really don't want you driving because if you're driving, you might have a wreck. Um, if you're sitting at home, have clean underwear because when you realize what this next section is about and what they want to do, you're going to ask yourself, did we have aliens come down, select members of Congress, lobotomize their brain, put them back into Congress and seed them with some of the silliest stuff that I promise you a normal human being could not make up. All right, folks, we're up on a hard break. You are listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey. That's me. We're going to pay a few bills. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back. As a reminder, this is a live show. 
Uh, we know we had a couple of you try to call in and I guess got disconnected. 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Uh, I'll take a minute to go over the social media connections. You can follow me on Gab or Twitter. Parlor accounts reopened. I'm not real sure I'm fond about it, but you can follow me on all three at the same handle, at DGYancey65. That's at DGYancey65. Uh, on Facebook, it's the Information Edge. Um, I'm not, I don't do a whole lot on Facebook. I keep it out there. It's an account I had years ago, but you can, uh, you can follow me there, but if you're going to get most of my, uh, my hot sports opinions, they're going to be on Gab and they're going to be on Twitter. So that's at DG Yancey 65. Always go to my website, the information edge.net. You're going to find the blogs there. You're going to find all of the resources that you have and need to be a better educated voter and consumer. I've got our show topics, all the links that I use for research, government sites. If you need a government site to go through and say, hey, I need the role for the U.S. senators, well, go to the government site, click it, congressional site links, U.S. Senate, and by golly, there's the U.S. Senate. It's there. I've created a pending legislation, which I'm still working on. Uh, You can reference the podcast library there. You can also go to Voice America. I'm on the Variety Channel. That's what we're broadcasting on right now to go through. All right. We need to finish up um, our deep dive because we got to talk about some possible solutions and we're running out of time here. One of the things to remember when they're going through and making these changes is some of this is just nonsense. Part one of subtitle D, the last section we're really going to get deep into, my voice voucher pilot program. And you really got to, this is section 5,100 that goes over this program. And basically what this, in a nutshell, they come in and say, well, poor pitiful me, I I just can't contribute to an election and I don't have no money. Therefore, I can't influence. And what they want to do with this section is set up funding where your tax dollars your tax dollars becomes part of a state eligibility program for vouchers to contribute to candidates running for office. You you can't make this stuff up. If I was trying to write something for the Twilight Zone, a modern day version of the Twilight Zone, I could not get a better script than Section 5100 of HR1. Three eligible states is how it starts, but oh, when you read down, it expands. We'll go to 20 states. Would you like to take a guess at which states those could be? I can give you a hint. I think it's going to be ones that they would consider, oh, I don't know, swing states. And you're going to be funding a candidate to run for office (laughs) In those swing states. Folks, you cannot make this stuff up. That's what this is. It is a small donor funding. And by the way, it's to the tune of $10 million. $10 million that they want to take your tax dollars on with this act and fund candidates. Of course, they don't say which candidates. That's based upon application, which would be controlled by the Federal Election Commission, which would be controlled by the governing body at the time. It is ripe for abuse. Okay. 
it is ripe for abuse. So after you get through reeling through this program, see, this is called the My Voice Voucher. I must have a voice. I want my $10 million worth of my $25 so I can help Leroy and, and Betty get elected to Congress so I got a voice. Well, buddy, you got a voice right now by going down and voting for someone. Pay attention in primaries. Be a part of their election. This is graft. And they want to authorize it so they don't have to hide it anymore. Okay. They just don't want to hide it anymore. They want to bring it out of the dark and they want to go, hey, we simply want to do this. But then, but then, folks, it gets even crazier. Okay. Section 511 benefits and eligibility requirements for candidates for small dollar financing of benefits. You go, well, what the heck does that mean? What they're basically saying. Okay. Is there effectively saying that, well, we don't have enough people right now running for Congress because of the inequity of what people have to make. Therefore, they want to be able, when you run for Congress, and if you are succeeding and you get a war chest in, that you can use those funds to pay for personal benefits. Let me say that again, that, that that person that takes that money in would be able to use those funds for personal benefit. Now, they go in and they say, oh, there's describe it, it's, it's a bunch of garbage. Right now, if you do that, it is a violation of federal election law, and you can be thrown in jail. They just want to make it legal. See, they're doing it right now, Okay. They're taking this money and they're already using it for personal expenses. They're just tired of playing the game. They want you to make it legal for them. Now they they hide it under all these shells. Well, you know, there's there's basically there's there's a discrepancy between what most people can do. We want to get more John Q citizen in office. Okay, that's great. But what they're really doing is say, hey, I got this war chest over here. I want to go get a Lamborghini and I want to go get a house over here, and I can fund it out of that. That's what this is about, okay? Don't get into anything other than that. Now, the rest of it, they get into Division C ethics, and I'm going to just kind of blow through it because we got to get to some other stuff. We're running out of time. They come out. They want a code of conduct for justices, okay? A code of conduct for justices, and the reason they want a code of conduct is they want something where if they come in in a situation where a appointee get smeared that that appointee can be bounced from being appointed vis-a-vis Brett Kavanaugh. Now, look, Brett hasn't earned any favor for me right now with some of the things that he's pulled. But if we go back to his appointment process, they basically paid a woman to come forth and lie. We now know that Christy Blasey Ford lied on the stand. Why isn't she in prison? You and I'd be there. Well, now what they want to do is come out with a code of conduct for justices so that they can basically prevent them from being even qualified to come forth on the seat. Think about that, okay? We also know when all, when all the dust settled, all that crap that he went through, all the, the crying and all that stuff, it was all a show. It was political grandstanding. Well, by coming out with this, they're going to say, well, if you get accused or something happens, well, by golly, you're out. 
They also want presidential appointees to be recused in certain situations, but they put it, they leave it a little open. Uh, they're trying to redo the emoluments clause because they think that President Trump got monies that he didn't get. But they basically now one of the things that they want to have is they want, oh, you're going to love this. This is actually kind of funny. And I, I think John Kerry probably somewhere was going, what? They want a clause where there's no funds for private flight for political appointees. They actually put it in here. I, I saw it and went, wow. Yeah, that's section 8071. So Mr. Kerry would be going, hey, we got a problem. Then they get into what they call presidential conflicts of interest. They don't want them, which that's fine. Nobody wants conflicts of interest. But they now want, in section 10,000, they want the vice president and the president to put four tax returns to be eligible to run for office. Again, it's not in the Constitution. So this whole thing is a constitutional amendment proposal that they're putting forth. The worst probably in history. H.R. 127 is pretty bad. This bill is even worse. There's two, they've got to be two of the worst pieces of legislation that we've ever seen on the level. So here's the question. What can we do about it? Okay. Now, as I've said, because they're constitutional amendment proposals, there is a process but do you really want to go down that road? Do we really want to get all in that thrall or do we want to stop this thing and choke it down in its tracks? Well, I'm kind of for that. So how do you do it? Well, currently the Republicans do not have enough votes to stop it. It takes 218 votes right now to get a bill passed. If you get the bill passed, well, then you, uh, you, you get to start the fight. Well, here's what I found. I've the NRCC, and again, I'm not, I'm not here to promote the NRCC. I'm just pointing out an article. By the way, this is on the website. They came out with who they feel were the most vulnerable Democrats in the House that they're going to go after. And that's what's going to have to happen, folks. You're going to have to contact the Democrats, some of the more vulnerable ones, and, and, and appeal to, their, to their, their logic, appeal to the congressional issues, appeal to the fact they're never going to get ratified at the state's level, Okay. And when you call these people, by the way, look, we, we may not like them. You, you may have a, a very strong emotion, but when you're contacting a member of the Congress, regardless of your political feelings, you got to show them respect. You got to talk to them reasonably. I, I've on our Friday broadcast, I've had a lot of Democrats on. We treat them with very good respect, even though we are diametrically rep- uh, opposed on political ends. You don't call them up and threaten them. You don't tell them you're going to kill them. Uh, that's what the other side does. You call them up and you appeal to their vanity and to their logic. But who do you call? Okay. So if you put and you look at that list of the 47, which, by the way, it's on the website blog. If you go down to it, it has the NRCC. It says NRCC announces 47 target seats. I've got some people that I believe are really the top six that you could pull out of that 47. I think any of the 47 you could call and appeal to them. The first two on the list showed me something this past week. Jared Golden, who's uh, representative for Maine 02, and Kurt Schrader, he's for Oregon 05. Neither one of them voted for the pork bill, the COVID bill that just came out of the House. They were the only two Democrats. That tells me there's the first chink in the armor. Now, whether it's because they've actually got some, some sense of it or they're going, you know, I'd like to not be run out of office in 2022. Whatever it is, whatever the reason, 
Those are your first two to contact. And again, we're here to be respectful. We're not here to bombard these two guys. Connor Lamb is another one, PA-17. He won in a squeaker in 2020 against Sean Parnell. Pennsylvania is getting hammered right now because of the loss to the Keystone Pipeline. Hammered, okay? Connor Lamb's going to have a problem. Okay, there's another guy, but I don't think he's going to be as accessible. So losing jobs from Biden, he's a target in his district. Could he be someone that would vote against this? Very strongly. Another one is Tom O'Halloran. He's uh, from Arizona's first district. Now, he's an incumbent. Like Lamp, he squeaked out a win. But Arizona's a border state. And what has just happened under the Biden administration? We now have open borders. That's right. We got open borders. Well, when you're a border state, that impacts your state because you got to deal with it because the reality of the situation is we still have laws against Im- uh, illegal immigration. Whether or not the current president chooses to enforce it, that's a violation of law that should be prosecuted vis-a-vis an impeachment. But there's no votes to do that right now. But could that make Tom O'Halloran someone that you could call and possibly discuss a Tom, your border guy? Do you see the issues here? You know, there's a lot of problems that are going around. Do you really want to do you really want to put your name on a piece of legislation like this? Do you really want to be a part of a party that puts forth such a transformative piece of agenda that's going to go down in flames eventually? Do you want to be a part of that? These are the discussions that you have to have with them. Next one is Charlie Crist. Now, this one, I forgot. Charlie Crist used to be a Republican governor of Florida. A Republican governor of Florida is now a Democrat in the House of Representatives for Florida 13. This man knows that this is a bad bill. He just didn't like Trump. Could you get to Charlie? I think so. Last one I've got on here is Henry Henry Cuellar. Now, the district he's in is heavily Hispanic, and they think, well, a Republican could never penetrate it. I disagree with that. I think a lot of them are going to vote Democrat because they're kind of brainwashed, but there's a lot of conservatives down there. And and Henry kind of falls into that last of the blue dog Democrats. He actually had a very liberal challenger in his primary that he was able to beat. Henry, he's in the middle. Okay. He's not a stupid man. He knows this is not necessarily good for his district because all it does is increase his job uh, competition for the district he represents. Could Henry be persuaded? Possibly. Okay, so what are some talking points? I've got another link in here on the website that you go down here, talking points to House members. Uh, I can't take, uh, this is not a draft of mine, but I saw it and I stole it and I put it up on uh, the blog. There's basically some highlights that you can go through. Bill strips power from the states, unconstitutional. Act requires same-day voter registration. The automatic voter registration infringes on the individual authority, which it does, and violates their privacy. We know vote by mail is a problem. It prohibits restricting elections officials to remove eligible voters. Basically, the voting machines requirements, I don't think they worded that right. They want public financing for campaigns. This overturned Citizens United. Don't forget that they're trying to lower the voting age down to 16, folks. Down to 16. All right, folks, it's, we're out of time. It's been a great uh, show today. You've been listening to the Information Edge on Voice America Radio Network with me, Darren Yancey. Don't go away, because next week we'll be back.
Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then. 